Turn with me to Genesis 43 and verse 15. Genesis 43, verse 15. Again, I reworked, uh, this was Thursday, I think I reworked this one. Uh, so the title will be a little different. But uh, Jonah, uh, in the Old Testament, Jonah was sent to Nineveh. But he was a reluctant prophet. Uh, he went the opposite direction. God had to coax him with a fish. And uh, finally, after three days in the fish, Jonah relented and willingly chose to be obedient to God. And the fish vomited Jonah up, and he goes to Nineveh, he preaches his message, and then he crawls up on the mountain next to the city to watch the firefall. He's waiting for the, the uh, pyrotechnic show. He wants to see them destroyed. He can't stand the people of Nineveh. And I'm so glad that we don't have a Savior like that. <laughs> Praise God that uh, our Lord Jesus Christ has a heart of love for sinners. Um, it is not his uh, will that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of repentance. Uh, Ezekiel uh, says, uh, why will you perish? You know, turn and live. Uh, God's message has always been one of mercy and grace. And thank God for that because we all need it. Uh, the scripture we're looking at today is actually a scripture uh, about Joseph and his response to his brothers. There's still this interplay going back and forth. And uh, Joseph finds that his brothers have brought Benjamin, just as he had required them to do, uh, and he, he makes arrangements for them to eat with him at noon. And so uh, the brothers, when they find out they're going to his house, they begin to get worried, well, this must be about the silver. He's going to make us slaves, and, uh, and he's going to put, put all this on us, and, and uh, they're filled with fear. But actually, Joseph's intention is good. Joseph wants to meet with them. He wants to eat with them. He wants to be with them, even knowing exactly who they were. You ever thought about that? I mean, Joseph knew these guys probably better than any other human soul because he had seen them at their worst. He had seen what they had done in their moments of greatest wickedness, and yet there is still a heart of love. There is still an attempt to reach them, he's also testing them to, you know, he's he using his wisdom there. Uh, but Joseph has a heart for these brothers that have done him so wrong. Uh, that is the heart of Jesus for us. And uh, we need to uh, put our trust in the mercy and grace of God and see Jesus as he is, as the scripture describes him, rather than as we tend to see him. We tend to be just like these brothers of Joseph. And when we fail and when we blow it, we think, okay, God's done uh, with me. Uh, you know, uh, uh, God is upset with me. God is against me. No. Matter of fact, uh, if you know Jesus Christ, he is for you. Uh, the Bible says that your sin is covered, it is separated as far as the east is from the west, buried in the sea of forgetfulness. Now, God will chasten you if, if there's a pattern of sin in your life. 
uh, but his heart of love will not be turned from you. The Bible says that uh, he has loved us with an everlasting love. Isn't that a wonderful truth? Uh, so, I want to, I'm going to talk to you tonight about the incomparable heart of Christ. The incomparable heart of Christ. And of course, we're going to see uh, in Joseph's response to his brothers, uh, echoes, anticipations of the character of Jesus. Um, uh, and so, uh, the incomparable heart of Christ. Look with me at verse 15 of Genesis 43. The men took this gift, double the amount of silver, and Benjamin. They immediately went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to his steward, Take them into my house, slaughter an animal and prepare it, for they will eat with me at noon. The man did as Joseph had said and brought them to Joseph's house. But the men were afraid because they were taken to Joseph's house. They said, we have been brought here because of the silver that was returned in our bags the first time. They intend to overpower us, seize us, and make us slaves, and take our donkeys. So they approached Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the doorway of the house. They said, My Lord, we really did come down here the first time only to buy food. When we came to the place where we lodged for the night and opened our bags of grain, each one's silver was at the top of the bag. <clears throat> It was the full amount of our silver, and we have brought it back with us. We brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put our silver in the bags. Then the steward said, May you be well. Don't be afraid. Your God and the God of your father must have put treasure in your bags. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. The steward brought the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and got feed for their donkeys. Since the men had heard that they were going to eat a meal there, they prepared their gift for Joseph's arrival at noon. When Joseph came home, they brought him the gift they had carried into the house, and they bowed down to the ground before him. He asked if they were well, and he said, How is your elderly father that you told me about? Is he still alive? They answered, your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they knelt low and paid homage to him. When he looked up and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, he asked, Is this your youngest brother that you told me about? Then he said, May God be gracious to you, my son. Joseph hurried out because he was overcome with emotion for his brother, and he was about to weep. He went into an inner room and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out. Regaining his composure, he said, serve the meal. They served him by himself, his brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who were eating with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, since that is detestable to them. They were seated before him in order by age, from firstborn to the youngest. The men looked at each other in astonishment. Portions were served to them from Joseph's table, and Benjamin's portion was five times larger than any of theirs. They drank and became drunk with Joseph. Now, I, I think um, part of all of this is a test, but we're also going to see echoes and, and pictures of the heart of Christ here. If you look at 
the heart of Christ, we see firstly his desire. He wanted to be with his brothers. Have you ever had somebody that just really did you wrong? Did you want to go out and have a meal with them? <laughs> I mean, that's just not our normal way of doing things. That, I mean, it, it, there's usually a discomfort there. And yes, we're supposed to forgive. We're called to forgive, uh, to cancel the debt of a wrong that's done. But uh, generally, if somebody has betrayed you, you don't want to spend a great deal of time with them. But this is exactly what Joseph chooses to do. He has his servant kill an animal uh, and uh, prepare a feast and makes plans to spend time with his brothers. Uh, you can see the same kinds of things, although some of the details are different. Uh, you can see the same kind of thing when Jesus prepares for the Last Supper, right? He says, with desire, I have desired to eat this supper with you before I suffer. Here, you, Jesus is delighting in his disciples. He is, is eager to fellowship with them and to enjoy their company, knowing because he's announced it in advance, that they're all going to forsake him. Knowing that Peter's going to deny him three times. He knows everything about them, all their failures, all their mistakes. He's the one who said, how long am I going to be with you? Uh, he knows all about it. But he says, with desire, I have desired to eat this supper with you. This is the heart of Christ toward us. Did you know before you were born, Christ knew every sin you would ever commit? And he died for it at Calvary. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. And because Jesus has clothed us in his righteousness and has taken the penalty for our sin, for those of us who've trusted in Christ, the slate is clean. And God, though he is aware of where we are and, and, and works to, to grow us and even sometimes to discipline us, uh, God never ceases to delight in us and to want to be with us. Fellowship can be broken through sin, and we, we confess that, we make that fellowship right. But God's heart toward us never changes. Now, I know that in my head. But sometimes I have a hard time believing that in my heart. But it's true. Um, the Bible says uh, we've been justified by his grace and we stand in that grace. Read Romans 5. We stand in the grace of God. We can't be pushed out of it. We have been placed there through the perfect life of Christ, through the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ at the cross. The veil has been ripped in two. We've been given access to the presence of God. Why? Because God has a passionate heart for us. My daughter-in-law made Sherry and I uh, these little calendars and uh, They've got pictures of the babies on them and, and some other people in our family as well. And uh, I was looking at those pictures this afternoon because I've got it sitting on my desk right there where I can see it. And I just paused a second from study just to look at those uh, glorious grandchildren. 
and uh, we're just enjoying thinking about them and those experiences that we had together and delighting in them. Uh, listen, did you know God delights in you? You know, I, I was thinking about this, and, and it moved me this afternoon as I was thinking about this. God delights in me the way I delight in my grandchildren. Of course, he does it on a perfect level with a holiness. Um, we know that. We look at Christ. We look at what Christ has done. Uh, we look, For God so loved the world, he gave his son. That sounds like delight to me. If you're willing to send your son to deliver someone from certain death and hell, you must delight in them. So we see Jesus' heart in the heart of Joseph, his desire to be with his undeserving brothers. Uh, thank God that Jesus Christ loves sinners um, because we all are sinners. All right, so the incomparable heart of Christ. What do we see? We see his desire. Secondly, we see his treasure. Uh, verse 23, then the steward said, may you be well. Don't be afraid. Your God and the God of your father must have put treasure in your bag. Uh, literally, could be translated, has put this hidden treasure in your bag. Uh, I saw one translation that translated it hidden treasure, but they, it can't be translated that way. Did you know there is hidden treasure for the child of God? Jesus Christ tells us that for his people, there is an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. I've got an inheritance in heaven. I've got the treasure of my Lord, uh, the blessings and rewards for the things. I, I don't even deserve to be a Christian, and yet God showers me with rewards for what I do for him. What a, what a God we serve. His treasure uh, has been given. Who, who put this treasure in their bags? Joseph. Now, they don't know who he is. They don't know why he's doing what he's doing, but he does it with a heart of love. He sets aside treasure. I, I've got an aunt. Uh, she's very a very generous person. And if you tell her you like something, she's probably going to try to give it to you. That's just the kind of person she is. And uh, some of you said, well, I need to meet your aunt. <laughs> but uh, uh, that's, I, I think God, he delights to give us the kingdom. What scripture tells us that? Uh, Fear not, little children. Your father delights to give you the kingdom. This is his heart toward us. God is not a grudging miser. He's trying to rob us of joy. God is a generous father who loves us. And Jesus Christ is our generous stepbrother who gives us what we don't deserve. I say stepbrother because we're adopted, right? Uh, really, stepbrother is probably the wrong word. We're, we're, Jesus is the son as no one else is a son, right? The divine son of God. You and I are sons and daughters of the living God because we have been adopted. When we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we've been adopted into his family. So, Joseph's treasure is given to them. Um, and by the way, the greatest treasure is not even the rewards that God gives us in heaven. 
or even the financial blessing he gives us here on earth, the greatest reward we could ever have is to know him. <laughs> Listen, I want to tell you something. There's a lot of rich people who are miserable. Um, someone once asked uh, uh, one of the wealthy, uh, wealthy men of our country, I, it's on the tip of my tongue, Rockefeller, I believe it was, uh, how much is enough? When, how much, when you earn this amount, how much will be enough? And he says, just a little bit more. <laughs> just a little bit more. Uh, he, he was never quite satisfied. Listen, I'm, some people live their whole life and they're pursuing all different kinds of things and only Jesus can truly satisfy the soul. <laughs> only Jesus can bring the peace that passes understanding and the joy unspeakable and full of glory. Uh, Jesus, I, I love what God said to Abraham. You remember Abraham, they're, Abraham and Lot, they're, uh, their possessions grew too great for them to live together. So Abraham says, hey, we're, we're brothers. Let's not uh, let our herdsmen quarrel about this. Uh, if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And, and Lot, his nephew, looked, lifts up his eyes and he says, man, that land down there near Sodom is nice. It's well watered. It's, it's quality. It's premium land. And he chooses the best land for himself. And he goes and pitches his tent towards Sodom. You know the rest of the story. That didn't turn out too well. Uh, but Abraham is left alone as Lot leaves. And God appears to him and he says, Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. See, God had promised Abraham, through your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. God had promised Abraham the land, every place you look. Uh, will be given to you and your descendants, and this is my promise to you. But, but God says, listen, you want to know what your exceeding great reward is? It's none of those things. I am your exceeding great reward. You see, <laughs> he gives us his treasure, and the greatest treasure he could give us is Jesus Christ himself. Um, so, we see um, the incomparable heart of, of Christ uh, in Joseph's desire, in his desire. Um, we see his treasure. We see his wisdom. Verse 23, then he brought Simeon out to them. Now, some of this is speculation, okay? But we do definitely know that Joseph acts in wisdom. If you look at the whole story, he has been very smart and very shrewd in the way he's, he is testing the waters to see, have his brothers repented? Are they different men than they used to be? Um, but uh, some have said that the reason Simeon was not brought out to them immediately was because Joseph is going, they've been claiming to be honest men, right? Joseph's testing them. He's put the treasure in their sacks. Will they come back at all for Simeon. Or will they say, hey, we got this treasure. Uh, Simeon's on his own. We're, we're, we're out of here. Uh, but once they came back, will they acknowledge that the silver is still in their sacks? Will they seek to make things right? And so they do, and then Simeon, then Simeon is brought out. Um, so uh, perhaps that's the case, or, or perhaps it's coincidence, but I, I kind of think uh, yes, again, he's given his steward instructions on how to interact with them and what to do when certain things would happen. Um, 
But we see Job, we're going to see it in chapter 44 and what he does and tests them to see if they will do the same thing to Benjamin that they did to him. Uh, we, we see this throughout the Joseph story. His wisdom is being exercised in how he treats his brothers. Jesus also has wisdom, but his wisdom is perfect wisdom. As the God-man, he knows every human heart. He tells the disciples, uh, he says, uh, uh, you are the twelve, I've chosen you, but one of you is a devil. He knew from the beginning. He knew. Uh, by the way, he still says, with desire, I've desired to eat this supper with you. It, it, truly amazing. Um, his wisdom, he knew exactly what was going to happen. He could see the hearts of men. He had perfect wisdom, and he still does to this day. He know What a comfort to know that we serve a God with wisdom like this. I would say these brothers are pretty, pretty lucky to have a brother who has this kind of wisdom that Joseph has and is going to care for them in the land of Egypt. Now, we haven't got that far yet, but, but this is what's going to happen. They're very blessed. You and I are blessed as God's people. We have a repository of wisdom found in God's Word. I want to tell you something. There's no book like this. We're, we were talking about this uh, <clears throat> this previous week. Uh, there, I've, there's some books I've read once, and I'll never read them again. There's some books I have gone back and maybe referred to a couple of times over the years. Maybe where I've dog-eared or where I've highlighted but there's only one book I keep going back to again and again and again. And every time I read it, it gets sweeter and richer. Why? Because it's the wisdom of God that he has given to us. Um, our Savior is the wise Christ who has saved us from sin and who loves us and who will guide us. He leadeth me, O oh blessed thought, as we were we were singing. Um, how great a Savior we have. And listen, there's no area of life he doesn't have perfect wisdom in. Uh, if, you, if you talk about the family, God has perfect wisdom for marriage. He has perfect wisdom for how to raise your kids. He has perfect wisdom for finances and for business. And I mean, every sphere of life. If you go to the Word of God, you can find great wisdom there uh, to address these things. And so uh, in Joseph's great wisdom with his brothers, we're reminded of the wisdom of our great Savior that is a perfect wisdom indeed. Uh, so the incomparable heart of Christ, what do we see? We see his desire, we see his treasure, we see his wisdom, we see his acceptance. Look at verse 26. When Joseph came home, they brought him the gift they had carried into the house, and they bowed down to the ground before him. Now think with me for a second. Um, Joseph is second in power over the land of Egypt. He's got all kinds of wealth. Uh, everything he could, he could probably even think to ask of, he's got. He doesn't need their gift. But he accepts their gift. Why? Because as he accepts their gift, he accepts them. 
and, and they knew that they would be received. You know, you accept the gift. Uh, I remember um, there was a lady in the first church I pastored. Uh, her name was Maudine, and she used to make German chocolate cake. Bless the Lord Jesus Christ. And she had it almost every time. She had grandkids that would come by, and so she always had some kind of cake or something made up. And when I went over there, I had to receive that cake because I didn't want her to feel unappreciated. And I enjoyed that cake uh, for her sake, but probably really more for my sake. Uh, it, but, you know, there is a sense in which we accept the gift of someone else. Why? Because it shows that we accept them. It shows that we love them. And, and think about this for a second. What does Jesus need from us? Zero. He's the God of the universe. Uh, one scripture says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Jesus doesn't need anything from us. But he receives our worship. He receives our service. Why? Because he accepts us. He loves us. He uses us for his kingdom and his glory. If I was Jesus, I'd probably say, oh, that Roger Pugh, don't use him. Uh, he, he's got all kinds of issues. You, uh, just do it on your own. But Jesus accepts my service. He accepts my worship because he accepts me. <laughs> he lets me be a part of his story, just as he does for all of his people. He accepts us. Um, you remember when your kids were little and they'd make those pictures and, you know, boy, that's good. Uh, what is it? <laughs> you know, and, uh, uh, but you delight, right? You delight to receive those things from your kids because it's a gift. They're so excited to give it to you, and it's a gift of love. You accept it because you love them, right? That's it. What's what Jesus does for us. Joseph didn't need the gifts of his brother, but he accepts them. Because he accepts his brothers. And what an act of grace it is. So the incomparable heart of Christ, what do we see? We see his desire. We see his treasure. We see his wisdom. We see his acceptance. We see his emotion. Do you know Jesus is moved in his emotions for you? The scripture says that Jesus exclaimed as he looked over Jerusalem, you know, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, how often I would have gathered you under my wings as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. And he's grieving over the city of Jerusalem that he loves because they will not repent. Or one of my favorite stories is the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Jesus intentionally delays. They send messengers to him. Lazarus, the one you love, is sick. Um, Jesus stays there for a couple of more days. And then goes, knowing that Lazarus has died. Mary and Martha both come to him. Lord, if you'd have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. I mean, come on, Jesus. Why are you delaying? That's kind of the unsaid message. This is the one you love. 
Jesus knows exactly what he's going to do. And he, he has this great discussion with Martha about being the resurrection and the life. But when Mary comes and he sees the brokenness of the sisters, the Bible says Jesus wept. He wasn't weeping because of Lazarus. He was about to call Lazarus out of the grave. But he saw Mary and he saw Martha and the suffering and the heartache that they were experiencing and the tears began to flow. Do you know Jesus feels that way about you? He sees when you're broken. He sees when you're hurting. And sometimes we don't understand why God allows things in our lives and and we're perplexed and maybe even hurt by the fact that God would allow such a thing to happen to us and we just don't understand it. But if we could look up into heaven, There would be tears on the cheeks of our master because he has a heart for us. His emotions are stirred by us. Joseph sees his brother. He hadn't seen his brother in over 20 years. Thought he would never see his brother again, and his emotions are stirred. God, be gracious to you, my son. He He just has to exit the room because he's just overcome with emotion. And uh, has to go and cry and get himself under control and come back out uh, to have the meal with the brothers. So Joseph, in his emotions, gives us a picture of Christ. Um, Jesus knew the cost of the cross, didn't he? He knew it better than anyone else. And it wasn't just, I mean, crucifixion was an awful way to die. It was, it was designed as a way to torture uh, people the Romans wanted to suffer. And, uh, and it was a horrible way to die. But there was a whole lot more to what happened to Jesus than just what happened at the cross with the nails and the crown of thorns. Jesus was going to bear the wrath of God. And he says something really interesting in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, but not what I will, but what you will. So there's this struggle in Jesus. He has previously said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. He he desired to lay it down, but when he gets close... He begins to struggle in his human nature because he knows what's coming and it's the worst thing any human being has ever experienced in the history of mankind. The wrath, the the full fury of God for every wicked, filthy sin ever committed in the history of humanity was placed upon Jesus and the wrath of God was poured out in all its fury. God's not neutral towards sin. It's poured out upon Jesus in its full measure. So great is the effect of it that the ground shakes and the rocks crack open. The dead are brought to life, Matthew tells us. Something of a supernatural power that you and I can't really even conceive. Jesus willingly faced For you and me. 
He loves us with a, with a profound love. His emotions are stirred for us. How tender the love of our God for his people. How great his heart. How great his heart. The incomparable heart of Christ. What do we see? We see his desire, his treasure, his wisdom, his acceptance, his emotion. He truly loves us. This is the heart of our Savior. Do we deserve it? No. Does it make sense? No. It doesn't make sense to me why Joseph would ever spend time with his brothers. I mean, I know we're supposed to forgive, but if, if your brothers, the people you trust the most, betray you like that, wow, what an incredible thing. What an incredible injustice. What a heinous sin. But we scratch our heads and we see Joseph doing the exact opposite of what we would expect him to do. He's reaching out in love. And before long, we didn't get that far. He's going to begin to weep and make himself known to his brothers and say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Isn't it going to be wonderful one day when we see Jesus and all the grief and the heartache and the failure of this world will see that, yes, sometimes we, sometimes others meant it for evil, but God has taken it and worked it for good and will enter into the joy of our Lord. What a day that is going to be. Um, this incomparable heart of Christ shows us God's heart for us. Never forget that God loves you. And if you don't know him, I think we probably are, all do here tonight as a Sunday night crowd, but you never know. Perhaps God's touched your heart. Listen, you need to know God loves you as a lost person. Jesus willingly gave his life for you. Uh, repent and put your trust in him, and he'll forgive you and give you eternal life. And as a child of God, if you've blown it, uh, if, if, you've, if you've messed something up and you thought, you know what, I'm frustrated with myself. How could God not be frustrated with me? Uh, recognize that God's thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he has a heart for you. And come boldly to the throne. Jesus has made the way open. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the great, awesome Savior, Jesus Christ, that you sent for us. Thank you for his heart of love for us. Thank you for the blessings that uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit grant us each and every day. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to us and your great love for us. Thank you for the comforting work of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you renew us. You lift us out of the pit and set us on a rock. God, you are so faithful and good to your people. We just give you praise for it, and we thank you for it. And Lord, for any who are here tonight who perhaps maybe they thought, well, you know, uh, I've gone too far. I've done too much. God would not forgive me. Lord, I pray that they would see your great grace painted in bold colors and would come and just receive it by faith. And uh, Lord, for any who are unsaved, help them receive that gift of eternal life and simple trust even now.
and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.